Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, I can. All right. Excellent. So, where are we? Well, we're in uh, the United Kingdom, um, where uh, it's actually a beautiful sunny day. It's uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, um, and uh, we're here to talk about everything from media to politics, right? Uh, although I, there, there is something that, that, is, that is deeply troubling right now that I, I'd love to talk about with you. Brexit? No, it's this, uh, it's this uh, school uh, scandal, this college scandal uh, um, that, that, is, that is, uh, seems to be leading all of the newscasts in America because I have an opportunity to watch all of the American or many of the American newscasts here. And I actually think that the, uh, and I could be wrong because I, I haven't seen anything today. I'm talking about yesterday, that the um, that there's that there's uh, the biggest, the most important story here is not that people are paying millions of dollars to get their kids into college, but that people are paying money to get their kids to cheat. Um, I think that's a bigger story. Because well. I mean, who who? Who in there, you know, I had a conversation with a guy this morning, a pretty wealthy guy at the gym. And he said to me, look, you know, if, if uh, everybody, everybody that I know does it, they, they, they give money to the schools. They, they offer them to put money into a building. They, they'll do anything they can to get their kid into school. I, and I said, does that include cheating? And he goes, no, that's not on, that's not on our agenda. Um, and I think that that was the biggest part of that story. Well, I mean, isn't that like uh, you know the the usual uh, issue of it's not good because you got caught, not because uh, it's not some version of what everybody's doing. Well, in terms of the cheating, um, uh, I guess that's one way to look at it. I, um, but it sounds to me like it's in, they've institutionalized cheating. There was this this single individual. Uh, in California, who was um, who was uh, literally taking the t- although that's also not not so old taking the tests for these kids uh, or uh, putting them into his private um, uh, uh, test facilities and then changing their answers um, and doing it because he was being paid by the parents. I that that to me just felt worse than 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 me giving a million dollars to Harvard to get my kid into the, or, or, you know, millions of dollars to Wharton to get my kid into the University of Pennsylvania or Wharton School. Are you anyway, referring to, yeah. Uh, you mean, know who I'm, you know who I'm referring to. I, well, I, I'm not sure because uh, evidently there's no record of his uh, academic record. That's right. He said, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know who we're talking about, it's DJT, um, who said that uh, he was uh, at the top of his class at the Wharton School, and, uh, but he wasn't anywhere on the list of, on the dean's list. So there you go. Anyway, that, that's probably not worth having a lengthy discussion about. It's just something that's bothering me. Brexit's bothering me too, but I have a personal reason 
for Brexit uh, to be bothering me. Uh, there's, there's the the uh, the big reason is whether you agree with it or don't agree with it. There was a referendum, and the and the voters chose to leave. The fact that the uh, parliament here is unable to actually come up with a kind of a deal um, is disappointing. It just it just uh, it's, it's flabbergasting to me. Um, but personally, uh, it's ruined my opportunity to sell my flat here that I've had on the market for about a year uh, at a price that I think is worth selling because nobody wants to buy new flats in London right now. So that's why well, it's bothering it, me. Right. Well, what bothers me about it is that it's totally incomprehensible. I, the only way that I can understand it is by analogy with the 2016 election. Oh, I think that that's an easy analogy to make. And um, and I agree with that. And, and, and you know, but it's interesting. Um, yeah. if, if you were here um, uh, and, and saw the pitch that was being made to leave the EU by, you know, the likes of uh, Boris Johnson, for example, um, saying that, the, you know, that the $300 billion that we're spending in the EU would be better spent on our schools and our infrastructure and our this and our that. It's isolationist. Um, uh, it, it sounded really good. And um, so I, I was actually, when, when the original conversations were happening, was, was, was listening to those, uh, those people, the, the people who were saying exit, um, I was listening closely to what they had to say, and they had some compelling things to say. On the other hand, um, it just seems like it's so 100 years ago to me, which is very similar to the arguments that were made to hire uh, to, to, to elect Donald Trump. It just seems like it was so 100 years ago. America seems like it's gone back in time, and so does the UK. Doesn't it seem like, though, that... Uh... We kind of, I'm not saying that this is a good thing or a bad thing, but isn't it, uh, don't we have to get to a point where we hear the pitch, buy the pitch, uh, then there's remorse, you know, the trough of disillusionment, and then, uh, and then we figure out, uh, you know, a second level or a second generation pitch uh, that we recover from. Well, I think you're right about that, but that's sort of what that sort of is, is the idea of having another referendum. That is, have we already gotten to the point um, where we've reached that level of pain uh, and know that we made a mistake? But do, so the, the only cure for that is another referendum giving people the opportunity to vote the other way. Um, which, you know, uh, kind of sounds all right. On the other hand, you know, even even uh, even May here is saying the people have spoken, period. It's like in it's 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 you know, it's like, no, you can't have another election in America uh, until it's time to have another election. Actually, I, there is no time limit on this one. That's the to me. That's that's a problem in America. You actually can decide in two more years whether you want to keep Donald Trump in or not. Uh, that's another thing to have a discussion about, too, because I'm actually scared of all the people who are saying Donald Trump's going to be uh, going to win in 2020. 
Here, there is no, oh, in four years, we have a chance to change this. Because once this is changed, and once, once we are out of the European Union, we being the UK, we're out of the European Union. Once Donald Trump is voted out, um, you can assume that it is over uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, although even Michael Cohen said, even if he gets voted out, it will be a very difficult thing uh, to happen. There will be so much that has changed that won't be fix, fixable. But that's kind of the, the view of the imperial presidency that, uh, that somehow this guy uh, has so much power to be able to disrupt uh, an election. I mean, that sounds to me like uh, progressive spin, basically. Well, I, 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 I don't disagree with that because, I mean, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm, a, I'm certainly left of center. Uh, and I, I do think um, I do think that way more than I think conservatively. Um, but I, I don't I don't see Donald Trump as a, as a as a conservative. I just see him as a tyrant. Yeah, but what I what I'm trying to say, uh, ineffectively, evidently, is that the reasoning behind this kind of apocalyptic view of well, he's going to just. Uh, you know the chief, the liar in chief, is now going to become the, uh, uh, you know, purveyor of martial law all of a sudden in order to be able to avoid the possibility of the election results uh, being mandated on January twentieth. I mean, it just seems like a, a bad new binge political television series. King Donald. I don't buy it. Do you? I mean, seriously? No, I, mean, I, I actually, I don't, I don't buy it either. Um, I, I, I actually have, I, I don't buy it. I, I hope that the American people are smarter than that. We know that, that, that a certain percentage of them aren't. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, doesn't it, doesn't it come down to um, uh, the, the ineffective uh, use or in his case, the effective use of, of, of the way that the states are gerrymandered so that um, uh, so that the electoral college it works in his favor I mean and it, it just seems to me that there is an outdated um, uh, principle um, that isn't changed and isn't changeable which is that you know he holds the Senate so he can't be convicted no that the that, that in terms of a uh, well that's one thing. But in terms of a new election, um, where will where will the electoral college place him? Where will they have to vote, vote for somebody? Uh, that's. But you know what? Uh, if if it had come down to the popular vote, Hillary Clinton would have been in the White House. Would be in the White House today. So. Um, but uh, but that's like saying that you know if she'd beaten Obama, then she would have been in the White House uh, even earlier. But she didn't beat uh, Obama and. She didn't beat Bernie. Uh, she beat Bernie, but Bernie wasn't running for president. Well, it, she, she did beat Donald Trump in the popular vote, though. I know, but not that not that it matters. The re, you're you're right about that. The reality is she didn't win um, because of the way the system is set, um, and and that's a fact, and that's a shame. Although, I'm I'm I'm, I'm 
I'm not a Hillary Clinton fan. I'm not suggesting that it's a shame that Hillary didn't win because of the ass because of what she might have brought to the job. I'm not sure that she would have brought the excitement that we have today um, for the, to the job. But um, that being said, uh, it, it's it's an it's an it seems like an outdated system. That's all. That's where I that's where I draw the line. Okay, I'd so like, I'd like so to see it, that change. In terms of outdated systems. Uh, is that what's going on with television? Um, you know, the, the people in broadcasting would argue that, that they are just as strong today as they were 25 years ago. Um, but I think that's looking at the industry with a pair of blinders on. There are, um, there are some bright spots. There's a, there was an announcement to yesterday, um, which I think... Um, kind of says, no, the, the, the television industry actually does see, um, does see some, some benefits to what we are now, what we now, not what we call streaming, but, but streaming, because everyone has to get into it. We, and, and the attitude, by the way, is if you're not in it, then you need to get in it, whether or not it's something that will make any money for you. However, there is something that I think is a, is a game changer. It's likely to be a game changer. So Disney, NBC, Turner, CBS, um, um, uh, uh, so there's a consortium of, of, uh, of television networks um, are joining a addressable TV advertising uh, group. So what, what I mean by that is, so there's all these smart TVs out there and there's all these OTT operated devices out there, so Chromecast and Amazon Fire Stick and uh, Roku and Apple TV and so on and so on. Um, and if you're on those systems, um, you can address advertising to individuals the way that you can um, address advertising, say, on, on Facebook to an individual. They know what you like. They know what you want. Um, and, and in, in the streaming world, they can address advertising because they know what you like and they know what you want uh, by, by, because of your previous use. That hasn't been something that's been able to be done on television. That is traditional broadcasting or uh, cable casting, um, which has not been uh, operated primarily through some kind of digital, I don't mean digital, I mean internet uh, op, op, uh, internet way of dis distribution. They are now, they being that consortium, uh, have created this thing called the open addressable, an open addressable system where um, it's called OAR. It's supposed to define technical standards for TV programs and platforms to deliver targeted advertising in a linear, linear and on-demand formats on smart TVs. So, um, you know, there, there are some pretty powerful people involved in that. And, you know, Hearst and AMC, as I said, CBS and NBC and Comcast and Disney and ESPN. There's, there's some big players in this. So they're, they're hoping that, that this will be part of the intersection of, uh, of streaming and traditional, which is kind of where things have to go. Um, okay. But so let me just interrupt by saying, that uh, I'm taking the view of uh, my 18-year-old daughter, which is uh, 
she doesn't know from TV. She doesn't watch any of the networks anymore. She doesn't. She. It's basically Netflix and gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the, where do those two worlds link up? I'll tell you how how it works for me, because uh, I'm I'm sort of I'm I, I, I'm sort of in in her camp. Every night. Um, I'm, I'm watching or I'm binging on Netflix or Amazon every night. I'm not watching traditional television anymore. But where am I watching those things? I'm watching them on my TV. Um, I mean, the, to me, they're, they, I'm not watching it on my phone. I'm not watching it on my, my laptop. And I'm not watching it on my tablet. Um, I'm, I'm probably bringing it in on my phone and I'm casting it to my television. <laughs> So I'm still watching it on TV. So what does that mean it is? Is it TV? Um, uh, I think, you know, I've I've gone around the country and I've asked people to come up with a new name for it. Um, And and always, um, I'd say 100% of the time, in the end, everyone says, you know what, it's still TV. Um, whether uh, Whether it's streamed, whether it's cast, whether it's cabled, whether it's broadcast, whatever, it's still TV. So uh, maybe your daughter's generation uh, will be the generation that changes it to something else. But to, I think, the majority of people who consume video content, even YouTube, it's still TV. Okay, so let's say it's it's still TV. So what's the significance uh, of this consortium getting together with some sta- so-called open standards uh, around uh, what is this? It's not linear. What what kind of yeah. t- what's the word addressable? No, it, it, it is. It's addressable, but it's addressable in a linear format. So um, uh, so if you're watching um, CSI, right, um, and you're in the basement, um, ads that you see on CSI will be different from if your daughter is watching CSI or your wife is watching CSI in another room, um, she will get ads that will be different from the ads that you see, but there'll be ads that will be um, uh, targeted to her. This is an advertising play right now. They're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're I've, I guess like, like Netflix and Amazon, they'll, they'll be able to tell what kind of shows you want to watch and they'll pitch you those shows and so that you can then choose between from one show to another. But in a linear world, if, if you're, if you're in two different rooms in your house, you're watching the same show, you're going to see different advertising. You can't see that. You can't do that right now. Uh, you, you could do that online. Um, sure. But uh, in terms of linear television, it's, it's, it, it's, it's not there yet. Um, okay. And the, here's the thing, by the way, everyone has to agree to this, which is probably going to be the real barrier to entry on this, because I can't imagine that all of the all of the distribution uh, outlets out there will all agree to a standardized format. Although, you know, in the beginning of television, the beginning of cable, everyone agreed to a standard format of distribution like, you know, the beginning of distribution over the Internet, which is, you know, wirelessly 4G and eventually 5G. Well, I mean, let, let's just sort of uh, seed the idea uh, that this is TV mm-hmm. uh, and that, you know, eventually, I mean, the way Shazam works, you know, are you familiar with that? Yeah, sure. 
Okay. So uh, the way it works is, is that it looks at the waveform of uh, the music that you're trying to identify. And it says, oh, okay, well, the, this is what it is. And they give you the song, and then you can either pay for it, or you may already have it, or you may not really care. You just are interested in the metadata surrounding it. Uh, so that becomes the product uh, uh, that we're looking for. We're looking for information. We're looking for it on demand. We're looking for it under the our control, a permission-based uh, economy. And uh, all the other uh, means of delivering content basically over time fall away. Well, uh, this, uh, is, this you, is profoundly disruptive. To but you all, know what? All you, those networks that you're talking about. You have absolutely hit the nail on the head, Steve. Um, that is that is exactly what they're talking about. So it's 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 um, automatic content recognition. So it's data tracking, um, and it is through this automatic content recognition and data tracking that the advertisers will be able to. Uh, aim their their product advertisements uh, to an audience that is going to be more receptive to their messaging, um, and and that's kind of uh, that's kind of what what um, what happens with with Shazam. It knows what you're you know. Shazam also has the other opportunity where you you could be listening to something and you just want to know what the name of that song is, and you tell Shazam to listen to it, and then it'll come back and tell you what the name of that song is, but what it's now done is it's it's it now knows that you're interested in that song that kind of music um and it will then feed you back um something that will mean more to you than if you just were out there hunting and pecking to find something that's kind of what's going on with this right. so uh on the content side uh we both uh independently of each other we, th we think, but of course the reality is, is that we're being programmed uh, at a very fundamental level. We both watched uh, a show by Ricky Gervais mm -hmm. uh, called uh, Afterlife. Afterlife, right. Or and, is it Afterlife or is it Afterlife? Well, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I, well, I, it's, it's, I don't accept your apology. Is it? It's kind of like, is it Superman or is it Superman? Uh, anyway. I've never heard it called Superman. <laughs> Batman. They. <laughs> Batman. Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. You, you I'm sorry. I think it's just hilarious. Anyway. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the thing is, is that this was a very... Uh, I mean, I like Ricky Gervais. He's a little bit hard to take uh, on a so-called mainstream awards show, uh, kind of disruptive, etc. cetera. Uh, but in this context, he, uh, he's a triple threat, at least. He, he wrote, directed, uh, starred, etc. cetera. And uh, the format is essentially, I think, the winning format, which is uh, six or eight or something like it's, it's a short case. number six it was six episodes of uh 27 minutes duration no yeah. commercials yeah uh so that's your binge uh audience it's also and, the perfect binge format quite honestly um uh, i i because i found myself um 
Uh, look, when I binge something, I really get into it and I watch it. And even binge shows have the place where the commercials are supposed to go. They dip to black, then they come up out of black on the other side. They tend to be a little longer. Um, and, and this, I thought, was, you were right. This is sort of the perfect format for binging. So However, I, I will say something, though, to, to interrupt you there. I still think that streaming isn't going to be successful until it's advertised until it's advertisers supported um you know hulu is um is just made a deal with spot with spotify um where you where you will if you buy spotify you get hulu's advertiser supported service um in the u.s you will get advertiser supported service on hulu uh if you, I, i'm not sure if it's you're a new spotify buyer or if you're just somebody that has Spotify that you can now go in and get the advertiser supported Hulu. That is a way that you're going to get streaming opportunities through the non-traditional methodology. Right. So uh, I, I agree. And uh, I find myself watching Hulu more and more and more uh, simply because we've run out of all the uh, obvious favors. We're already spending just uh, inordinate amounts of money to get all the network channels, uh, and by network I mean the whole binge audience. Have you have you seen the uh, Umbrella Academy yet? No, and I don't intend to. But the, whoa, 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 it's good. No, I don't like superheroes. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I'm your basic Superman and uh, and Batman. See, Batman action comics. Spider Man. My speed. Spider Man. Uh, do you remember Action Comics? I do. Comics? You know what? I was one of I was a DC lover, though. If you, if you, you were? yeah, if you get, if you said to me I DC versus that. Marvel Action Comics, I'm not Action talking Comics. Marvel. Yeah, I know. I didn't Action like Marvel. Comics. Was the flagship of uh, DC. DC, and, it, and there were two stories in one comic. And I had two brothers, and we used to uh, get our big twenty-five cent allowance. And you could get you could get and Superman could get, and well, what, first of all, what I had to do was to get uh, uh, my brothers to buy the comics that I wanted to read. So first, it's a political issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which it, is, it always is. Yeah, yeah, get them to buy the two that I really. Uh, once I've gotten past the one that I really care about, which is the action comics, then then I get to you know trade it since I've now read it first. You know, it, it's all about. Uh, priorities. Uh, so Action Comics was brilliant in that it had two stories. One was Superman, the other was Batman. Batman. In one book. Yeah. Okay, so it, you know, the economy of scale was enormous. I was, I, I, I was not and I thought, well, and, and then eventually it became, you could get Aquaman. Yeah, but see, to me that's Second rate, it's like expansion clubs in the uh, uh, AFL. I don't know. I liked Aquaman. Okay. I was an Aquaman fan. Have you saw Have you saw the movie? I've saw it, and it's really good. And there, by the <laughs> way, about ready to 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 uh, to do the the uh, sequel. It's coming. Oh, I, I think, think it's the a... reason that binge is working is because uh, machine movies have destroyed the film industry. And that brings me. Are to, you're, you're talking about graphic, uh, graphics heavy? Um, uh, no, I'm just talking about the fact that you know blockbusters and sequels uh, is obviated by you have built into the show 
uh, in a binge environment, you've got the sequel and uh, everything. It's there and yeah. under your control. So you, yeah. if you like it, you you spend three hours, which is what we did with After Life? Question mark. Yeah. Okay. I so, like that. I thought I I thought it was a little dark, uh, but it, I thought it was really good. It's funny. You know, I say it was a little dark. It actually wasn't dark. It, it, but after I watched it, I felt like it was dark. You know, I, I don't know if you know what I'm, what I'm trying to say. It, it, it wasn't a dark, com- it was a dark concept, uh, but it wasn't dark in feel. But when it was over, I felt it was darker than it was than when I was watching it, which I think is an interesting thing. So that leads us back to the, uh, you know, what do we watch TV for? Uh, it's polit- politics. Some people like sports, although I'm bored with it at the moment. And uh, so it's real time plus these uh, permission-based binge uh, shows. That's it. Yeah. Well, uh, news, sports, and entertainment. Um, and, you know, I, I, I used to work with a guy who would argue with me that television was not created to inform. Television was created to entertain. I will then argue today that information television is entertaining. So it's all come back to the beginning. So uh, as somebody who's been... Uh, you know, in the quote industry, uh, particularly the news business, uh, you were one of the uh, originators of the Patak, uh, which is this at Nightline, yeah, exactly. So, you've been around since uh, uh, you know, they invented coal. (laughs) Actually, my first job in television was in, in a real job was in 1972, and my first. Um, my first real break was the night of the Saturday Night Massacre uh, when I was a film editor at WRC-TV in Washington and the only one working that night because it was a weekend. And um, uh, it, was, it was from there that, uh, that I actually started my trek uh, as a journalist. So speaking of the Saturday, you're, you're talking about Elliot Richardson and uh, uh, the attempted firing of the special prosecutor. That's exactly right. Okay. Oh, geez, so, doesn't that sound familiar? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, what is fascinating politically is, is that, uh, to the horror, I think, of all of the talking heads on television news, uh, Nancy Pelosi is basically saying it's not worth it uh, to try and impeach. You know, I, my opinion about that, by the way, is that, is that that was a good soundbite. Um, but that if, if, if Mueller comes back with, with high crimes and misdemeanors, um, then she, and, and if she can see that there is a bipartisan move towards uh, impeachment, she will then go down that road. I think that she, that she said that. Um, as, so you think, you think that Mueller's going to come back with something, uh, high crimes and misdemeanors? No, I actually don't. <laughs> okay, I think that... So. I, I, so but I do, but no, that. no, no. But I do think that the um, uh, that the the, um, the New York uh, court and um, you know the New York attorneys and the attorneys at, and other districts and jurisdictions where um, where things are being investigated are going to find um, stuff that Mueller's not even interested in. 
you know, he, he's, he does have arguably a, a, a pretty, um, uh, the parameters around his investigation are, are, are small, whereas the parameters around the investigations of things like the Southern District of New York are not. And I think those are the things that are going, but you know what I find interesting though, is that, every, is that I'm not the only one saying this and that, and that people, it's almost like people are grabbing at a reason to find problems with Trump. And they don't see Mueller doing it, although Mueller's now had, what, 37 different indictments uh, and, and a half a dozen convictions. They don't see it coming from Mueller. Now they're drawing their attention and moving it towards things like the Southern District of New York and entirely different things um, inside the, the Trump world. I, I find that interesting. I'm not sure what it is that you're finding interesting. That, that up until a few months ago, the only thing that was on everybody's lips was the results of the, Trump, of the Mueller investigation. And now the Mueller investigation has, it's, has been normalized and it's the other investigations that are being pushed to the top. But isn't that uh, the defense that, uh, that Trump is, is engendering? Yes. Which is, you know, just marginalize and trivialize the yes. investigation to the point that people say, oh, this is just a witch hunt. Yes. And so you think that that's going to be successful? No. Well, um, what's going to stop it? Uh, I mean, true crimes you know, and mis- true crimes and misdemeanors that have been found by these other investigations. Oh, that'll you mean be the felonies. But yes. we already see felonies. Yeah, but we don't see it in. Uh, we, we see it in sur- surrounding Trump. We don't see it specific until one of his family members is convicted. Um, I don't think we're going to let him out. Paul Manafort gets six more years in prison at his second sentencing. So if they make that, that happen just now. Um, so if um, now the, the question is, is that going to be concurrent or consecutive? Uh, because if it's if you know, if they tag them together, that gives him 10 years in jail. Um, if if not, um, it's it's six as a maximum as opposed to four plus six. Um, which, which I, we haven't heard yet what that is. In any case, this is a bigger, um, um, uh, that's a, that's a bigger uh, sentence than the one he had before. So, uh, you know, this, getting back to the, uh, the issue of television uh, becoming television, where do you see this uh, you know, really manifesting itself. I mean, you come from the worlds of uh, uh, news and marketing, which, uh, can you explain to me what that means, marketing? Uh, In the case of of television news, it means promotion, making people want to watch what it is that you're doing through through various tactics. Um, And I think that the the network that's done the best job of that uh, knowing who to market to and how to get viewers has been Fox. Uh, and that's why Fox, uh, even if you don't watch it, Fox is the number one television news network in America uh, with arguably a smaller base of people able to watch it. Uh, and that's as, that's a result of a couple of things. One uh, is that they, they staked out that conservative uh, positioning. And two, they're marketing to that audience in those states. Um, so 
they, those people know what they're going to get from the people that, um, that, you know, look, Tucker Carlson's show is number one in its time slot, yet nobody is paying to buying advertising on his network, on his show right now. Almost everyone is pulled out except for my pillow, which is a guy that spoke at CPAC last week with Donald Trump. Um, so it's, so how, you know, how they're going to make that up on volume. I mean, how does that work? Well, they're going to have to sell the ads in other shows and in other places. Um, that's how that's going to work. Uh, and, um, but you know, the, the, that's, there is, there is sort of like the dirty little secret of how multiple advertiser or multiple pay schemes can work to the advantage of the network. That is to say that Fox is also a subscription service. You have to pay your cable uh, uh, channel. You have to pay your cable service to buy Fox. That's one way of them making money. The other way of them making money is to sell advertising. What they can do is to move advertising to other shows and increase their subscription fee. And that's how they'll make it up because they can increase their subscription fee against like a company like Comcast, for example, or, or uh, Spectrum uh, by just saying, you know, you, you, you have to have us on your cable system because we deliver the highest numbers because every cable system gets advertising as part of the deal with every cable channel. So if you live in New York City and you watch Fox, you will get an ad for the new, a New York local advertiser. But in that same space in North Carolina, in Raleigh, you'll get a different ad for a Raleigh, North Carolina advertiser. So the cable channels can sell advertising inside those shows that have the highest numbers. And that's where they make it up. Okay, so you, you mentioned uh, uh, earlier uh, the, uh, the deal that Hulu and uh, Spotify have reached, mm -hmm. which, which uh, uh, I, I understand why you thought it was interesting. I also think it's probably the most interesting uh, intersection of these two worlds. So we're seeing podcasting uh, mm. growing uh, and I, I say that with a caveat since, uh, you know, we've been doing this for since 2000, I think, 2002. So it, it's not like there's something new going on here. But what is new that's going on is this uh, addressable model uh, intersecting with uh, the ability to be able to produce essentially uh, for free. It's like uh, the desktop publishing uh, moment that occurred when Apple created, a, a, you know, a, a, whatever the name of the uh, printing technology was that they used, uh, and basically pushed uh, the ability to be able to create and uh, disseminate a document in paper uh, to uh, somebody in the office. And basically could do this on a self-serve basis, except for people like me that never can get a printer to work. <laughs> I, I, think you're, um, I think you're probably right. I, I, I mentioned it because I think there's something more to that than, uh, than sort of the little blurb that I read that this was happening today. Um, it seemed to me like, you know, it is, it is an intersection of, of, of not just technology, but of, of philosophy. Um, and, and you're right about podcasting. I, it's funny how podcasting was up and then down and then it's back up again. The thing that I think 
has made podcasts come back um, is because of the multiple channel universe that, 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 that we all live in now. And that's clearly because of the internet. Um, and also, I think that, you know, one of the things that, that, has, that has never gone away and people sort of like, uh, I don't know, maybe they took for granted, was radio. Um, and radio is still a huge, huge thing in America and actually around the world. Um, and, um, and, and podcasting fits somewhere in between digital distribution of content and radio. And I think that that makes it a, a thing that people gravitate towards. And I, I actually think that's a good thing. Right. I think that really intersects with the whole smart speaker, uh, you know, voice control uh, as a easy methodology, which avoids... Uh, the issue of what is the underlying platform and brings together a sort of a, an overall way of doing things that people will perceive uh, in the same way as what we talked about earlier with binge television becoming television. You know, um, uh, there was a, a statistic that I saw yesterday that there are some, Amazon, the Alexa, has 80,000 I think it's 80,000 skills, right? None of which is a huge hit. None of them. The one thing that everyone that owns an Alexa does use it for is music. Um, and, I, and, and, and I find that to be, uh, look, first thing I do when I walk in my door, two things I do, is to tell my Alexa to turn on the lights and to play a channel of 1970s R&B music. Those are the first two things I do when I walk in. But why is it that you... So this is basically the, a radio replacement for you because it's a small speaker. It's not a particularly hi-fi uh, solution, etc. correct? Yeah, except I have mine hooked up to a really good speaker system. Uh, so it does sound like a good quality hi-fi. You can take the output of, of any one of these smart, uh, smart speakers and connect it to a higher quality amplifier with speakers on it. And that's what I've done. So it, it's, it, it just requires that my, I get in and I tell my, my Alexa to turn on the lights. When it does that, it automatically turns on the power to my amplifier and speakers uh, so that when I tell it to play my favorite 1970s radio, uh, R&B radio, it's coming out of a good quality system. Um, so it's, it's kind of Is like- it stereo? It's stereo. It's pretty Excellent. cool. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, 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 and that's, that's what I use it for. Now, there's plenty of other things to use it for. Um, you know, you can order, a, you can actually make a Skype phone call using it now. Uh, so you can say, you know, uh, uh, call Skype or Amazon, or Alexa, call Steve Gilmore on Skype, and it will call you, and I can have an audio conversation with you um, using Skype. I think that the next step for that is going to have to be call Steve, and it dials your phone number. Uh, but I don't think they're there yet. Um, and you know, so it, it's not everything for everybody yet, but I honestly think that it's, it's, it's the single most important uh, technological advancement uh, in, in years. Which one? Uh, uh, the smart speakers, uh, the audio assistants. Right. And especially the audio assistants that are connected to video now. Those things are, uh, there, there's a 
we've had this conversation before and it's probably worth another conversation later, but I think that there is a, uh, you know, there is a, a, a hidden gem in the, in the, uh, uh, the world of these of these devices in that there's so many of them you know you're talking about 100 million of them in america well that's a that's that's like the size of a cable network um so it and they and they're not networked together so i think that there's a there's an opportunity there that has yet to be um so that is let me yeah there, let me throw in one other uh uh data point which is uh, cbsn uh, has basically now become one of the more important notifications that I see. Not because I necessarily use it, but it, it completely obviates the need for a cable news network. Yeah. Uh, you know, if something happens, you click on the notification and it plays on your phone. It, it, it's, it's seamless. Uh, and so you say that when these things get networked together, they're already multiplexed yeah. together over the notification channel. That's exactly right. So, yeah. I mean, we're already sitting on top of the innovation. It's not like it's going to happen. It is happening. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you fit into that with, how do you market for that uh, reality just to bring it around full circle? Well, you know, I, 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 um, I look at how Netflix markets, for example. Um, it markets differently than television markets. Um, the, they, don't, they don't make Netflix, I think maybe I've seen one or two, a Netflix television commercial and then put it on a television network. They market inside the digital network channels and they market inside their own channel which has huge distribution. It's how do you take advantage of your own space and your own distribution opportunity to get people to listen to and use other things within that ecosystem. And I think that that is a different way of marketing. I, and I think that uh, Netflix has perfected it. And I think that other people are starting to follow suit. So that, that's where the linking up of, what was the name of the uh, Rick, Ricky Gervais show? The reason we both watched it is, is that it was pushed to both of us at the top of the queue. We yeah. turned on Netflix and there it was. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like, uh, so the show was the ad, was the content, was, uh, and, and the, the fundamental issue of Spotify buying some of these uh, podcasting uh, plays is uh, to boost uh, not uh, acquisition of customers but retention of customers. Uh, yeah, and it's it's and, and it's it's within its own ecosystem. Right. So there's a, a closed loop there, which yes. is that they basically disintermediated the, the the broadcast networks except for sports. Uh, you know, and the scripted television is basically uh, on the way over to the Netflix model. Yeah, and, 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 and it, it, I think it's trying to get there. Um, you know, there's I watch a TV show here on Netflix that is not available on Netflix in America. Um, it, it, you would watch the TV show on... 
I, I think it's CBS's uh, streaming channel, and it may actually be on CBS, but it's not on Netflix. But here in the UK, the show is on Netflix. And it plays like a TV show, but with the, with, as I mentioned before, with the dips to black where the commercials would be butted together so that they're really tight. Um, and that's, that's Star Trek Discovery. Um, uh, and, it, and, it, and I binge it um, until I get to the end of, of what is available because it, it, they add a new show once a week. So you can binge it from the beginning of the series down until you have run out of shows and then it starts to add one once a week and now it becomes a regular television show. I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Right. I think that's exactly the nice section uh, of these two formats. And when the two models of audio and uh, actually merge, as the CBSN example suggests, uh, this is where uh, the the major winners and the and the people that are going to have to basically submit to this new uh, uh, model. Uh, that's where this all takes place. And it, yeah. So yep. uh, who's going to uh, who's your favorite for uh, uh, the Democratic nomination? And then we'll close this up. Uh, I I would like to see Kamala Harris. Uh, right now, that's my favorite. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, basically I want Biden to get in so that he can get out. Yeah, I, I think that he's a disruptor. I think Bernie's a disruptor, too. I, mean, I don't mean a disruptor in a good way either. Um, well, you know, I, think I think Bernie, Bernie, I think, has more staying power than Biden does. I agree. Uh, but I, but I think Bernie's going to drag the vote to uh, in places that is going to favor Trump. Yeah, but you know we're not going to win uh, by uh, you know, we're going to win on a binge uh, technology, not on a broadcast technology. Yes, I agree. All right, Frank Radis, thank you for your uh, support. And, Thanks, uh, Steve. We'll talk soon. Yep, take it easy. Bye bye. Yeah.